Once Upon a Time is right now, here on Fable City Radio, with your host, Martha Whitehouse. Tonight on Fable City Radio, we'll be diving into Snowdrop, a very popular fairy tale, even if you've never heard of it by this name, which was popularized by the Grimm brothers in 1812 in the first edition of their book, Grimm's Fairy Tales. The original German name of the story was Schneewittchen. The English language version of the story bears a better known name, but the rights to the name of this story are owned by an entertainment company with a pretty clever and sometimes vindictive mouse as its CEO, which is forcing me to use the original name for fear of offending said mouse. So my story and performance are a variation of the original Grimm Brothers story. There are versions of the story from several other countries, but this German version is the best known. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy my version of Snowdrop. Once upon a time, there lived a young queen who liked to sew embroidery on an ebony black embroidery frame. One winter day, she was sitting in her bedroom window, sewing and looking out at the snow-covered ground when she pricked her finger and drops of red blood dripped down on her work. She wished aloud that someday she would have a child whose coloring would be as red as her blood, as white as the snow outside, and as ebony black as her embroidery frame. It came to pass that the young queen gave birth to a beautiful baby girl with pale white skin, rosy red cheeks and lips, and ebony black hair, just as the queen had wished. She called the little girl Snowdrop. She grew up beautiful, and she was a kind-hearted child. But when she was six years old, her mother, the queen, died, and her father sought out a new wife. A beautiful but selfish woman caught the eye of the widowed king, and after a brief courtship, they married, and the woman became the new queen and Snowdrop's stepmother. The selfish and self-centered woman paid little attention to her stepdaughter, but as time passed, she began to hear more and more compliments from everyone in the palace on the beauty and kind nature of Snowdrop. Unbeknownst to the king, his new wife dabbled in witchcraft to keep herself beautiful, and after he died, her habit of relying on magic increased tenfold. One of the treasures she kept locked up with her trousseau was a magic mirror that always told her the truth. The queen regularly set the mirror on her mantle and asked it, Mirror, who is the fairest in all the land? And the mirror would answer, There are many fair maidens near and far, but you are fairest of them all. On the day that Snowdrop turned 14, the vain queen set up the mirror and asked it, Mirror, who is the fairest in all the land? But this time the mirror said, Thou art fair, tis true, but Snowdrop is now more fair than you. The queen raged in her heart, kicked over her dressing table, and made up her mind to get rid of Snowdrop once and for all. She called the fiercest huntsman in the nearest village and told the man to take Snowdrop out to the forest, kill her, and to bring her heart back as a trophy. The huntsman did as the queen commanded and pulled a sleeping Snowdrop out of her bed in the middle of the night and whisked her away from the palace and into the deepest part of the woods. The young woman, bound and weeping, bowed her head before the huntsman's sharp axe and begged the man not to kill her. Please, sir, please release me. I promise I will never return to the palace if only you will free me. The young woman's words stayed the huntsman's blade, and he cut her loose, thinking that the poor child would probably die in the wilderness after being attacked by beasts. He ran across a wild boar on his way back to the palace, and he slayed the animal and cut out its heart to present it to the queen to satisfy her bloodlust. When the huntsman presented the heart to the queen, she seized it greedily, cooked it herself, and ate it, satisfied that she need never fear Snowdrop as a rival again. She left the mirror beneath its velvet cover and ruled over her kingdom with an iron fist. 
Back in the forest, Snowdrop walked, pushing deeper and deeper through the trees. She was frightened of her stepmother's wrath and half afraid that the huntsman would change his mind and return to put an end to her. She was shivering, cold, hungry, and exhausted from her ordeal. At long last, she came to a clearing where there was a little house. Perhaps someone here will help me, she thought. She knocked on the door. When there was no answer, she pushed the door open a little and looked inside. There was a table set with seven cups and plates, and there was hot porridge in an iron pot hanging in a cheery fireplace. She didn't think anyone would mind if she ate just a little bit of the hot food, so she helped herself to a small bowl and a half a cup of wine. With her hunger satisfied, sleepiness overtook her. And looking upstairs, she found seven small beds made up with soft, comfortable white blankets and little down pillows. The exhausted princess tried out two of the beds, but they didn't seem quite comfortable. But the third bed she tried was perfect, so she climbed in and quickly fell deeply asleep. Hours later, the owners of the cottage returned home. They were seven clever dwarves who worked all day in the mines, collecting precious jewels from the secret places that no one else could find. They worked these treasures into wondrous creations that even the angels envied, and their work graced the palaces of royalty throughout the land. When they looked at their table, the oldest and wisest said, Someone has been eating our porridge. I see giant footsteps in the dust, exclaimed another, and they lead upstairs. All of the little men crept up the stairs to their sleeping chamber. The giant is in my bed, exclaimed the youngest miner. The little men gathered around his bed and gazed at the young woman sleeping there. Snowdrop startled awake, alarmed at the sudden appearance of so many extraordinary men. She stared at their long beards and tried to think of something to say. I'm sorry I used your bed and ate your food, good sirs. I meant no harm. I was just running so long in the forest that I got hungry and sleepy. I was very grateful to find your home. The miners took pity on the lonely princess, and when they heard the story of the vain queen's attempt to kill the poor girl, they made up their minds to protect her. Snowdrop gratefully agreed to keep house for the dwarves, and they in turn promised to shelter her. Everyone in the house lived happily for a time, and after the men finished their work in the mines each day, they returned home to find a delicious meal, and the happy family of friends played games and sang and danced almost every evening. The little miners grew to love Snowdrop as if she were their own daughter, but in the palace of the queen, evil was brewing. The queen, unable to believe she had no other rival, was once more drawn to her magic mirror. She had it brought into her chambers, and she she unwrapped it from its cover and stood before it. Who is the fairest in all the land? Thou art fair, tis true, but Snowdrop, living in the forest home of the dwarves, is more fair than you. The queen was furious, and she knew the huntsman had betrayed her by freeing Snowdrop. She thought up a plan to put an end to the girl. She would use her darkest arts to disguise herself and attack Snowdrop where she felt safest. The queen created a magical disguise to make herself look like an old peddler woman. Then she created deadly wares to bring to Snowdrop. She knew the dwarves were miners by trade and would be laboring in their mines during the daylight hours, so she made haste to set forth early in the morning for the trip through the forest. The next day, Snowdrop was doing her chores and singing softly to herself. Whenever she sang, the animals in the forest, who were her only companions while her friends were gone, would gather around the little house to listen to her. This morning, they all scattered at the heavy steps of Snowdrop's stepmother walking toward the house. She raised a withered hand to knock on the door of the dwarves' home. Snowdrop opened the door to find an old, hunched peddler woman carrying a large basket. Hello, my dear. 
the old woman croaked. I come bringing fine things that I must sell. What are you selling? asked Snowdrop. I don't have much money. Well, you're very pretty. I'd like to see you in this beautiful laced corset. If you like it, I will give it to you. Snowdrop thought she had nothing to fear from such a frail old woman, so she opened the door wide and invited her in. Now let me just lace you up in this to see if it fits. The jealous queen moved as fast as a snake. She laced up Snowdrop so tightly in the corset that her breath deserted her and she fell to the floor as if she were dead. The queen laughed to herself and returned to her palace, confident that Snowdrop's beauty would trouble her no longer. When the dwarves returned home, they found their beloved foster daughter senseless on the floor. They used their knives to cut the unnaturally strong laces of the corset, and they revived Snowdrop, who embraced them in relief. She told her friends about the old peddler woman, and they admonished her to let no one else in while they were out working. But after a few days, the wicked queen returned, this time in a new disguise, and her gentle eyes and kind words worked on Snowdrop's tender sympathies, and she invited the old stranger in and let her fix her hair with a pretty comb she was selling. The comb, like the corset, was pure poison, and as soon as it touched Snowdrop's head, she fell into a deathly swoon and collapsed on the floor. When her small companions came home and found her lying senseless, they gently smoothed the hair out of her face. The comb fell out, and Snowdrop awoke, sobbing in their arms. The queen, satisfied with her cruel work, went back to her palace, and for a while she was satisfied, but when she once again consulted her mirror, she was told of Snowdrop's miraculous recovery under the care of the dwarf and she knew her rival had again escaped death. She went into her potion room and summoned every bit of magical knowledge she possessed. Then she used the last of her most powerful poisons to create a deadly weapon. She vowed to herself that Snowdrop would not escape her fate again. The dwarves admonished Snowdrop to be careful and bade her not to trust anyone, but they could only scold her a little because they knew her gentle, trusting, kindly nature was as much a part of her as her long, dark hair, and that no power on earth could change Snowdrop into a suspicious, fearful woman. After her brush, or one might say comb with death, Snowdrop returned once more to her happy life and thought no more of her past troubles. That was just the moment the cruel queen chose to strike her down. On a cold, stormy day, there came a knock on Snowdrop's door. She opened it just a little to find a tiny, wizened old woman. Miss, she said, could I trouble you for a sit-down in front of your fire? I am so cold and weary. I'll ask nothing of you, only a little relief from the weather. Snowdrop's tender heart wouldn't allow her to turn away the fragile old woman from her warm fire, so she invited the stranger in. When it was time for the visitor to leave, she pulled an apple out out of her bag. I wish to repay you for your kindness, dear child. This is a very delicious apple. It's the sweetest kind, and I want you to enjoy it. The apple was shiny, plump, and firm. Its skin was a marvel, running from deep red on one side to rosy pink on the other. Snowdrop was mesmerized by the fruit, as she never saw any in the woods, but the warnings from the dwarves stayed her hand, and she didn't reach for it. I see you're a little frightened, said the queen. You must have been through some trials and ill use. I will put your mind to rest. See, I will take the first bite and you can just eat the other half. The queen took a big bite from the deep red side of the apple and handed Snowdrop the rosy pink side. Snowdrop, reassured that the treat was safe, bit hungrily into the poisoned fruit. The queen had carefully constructed the apple with one harmless side and one that contained deadly poison. It only took one swallow for Snowdrop to fall down dead on the floor. The queen ran back to her mirror to confirm her triumph and the mirror said, 
there are many who are fair, tis true, but there are none more fair than you. The queen was satisfied, and she continued the iron-fisted rule of her kingdom, confident in her beauty and the magic that kept her looking young. Meanwhile, the dwarves were heartbroken. They tried everything to revive Snowdrop, but all their efforts were in vain. She lay dead, but they could not bring themselves to bury her. They used all of their skills as craftsmen to fashion a clear crystal coffin for Snowdrop, and they lovingly placed her inside on a white satin cushion and gently rested her head on a satin pillow. They placed the coffin outside under a beautiful blossoming tree, and they adorned it with fresh flowers every day. Years passed, and rumors traveled far and wide about the beautiful princess in the glass coffin who remained as beautiful in death as she had been in life. A prince in a faraway kingdom heard the story and traveled forth with his men to see the princess for himself. He found the spot and upon seeing Snowdrop he fell in love with her in spite of the hopelessness of the situation and he begged the dwarves to let him take her to his kingdom. They didn't want to part with their beloved princess but the prince impressed them with his earnest entreaties and his promises to honor and care for Snowdrop and so they helped him transfer her coffin onto a wheeled bier to be transported to his kingdom. The road was rough and the vehicle carrying Snowdrop was jostled and bumped as it ran over the rocky terrain. All at once, one of the carriage wheels hit a large dip in the road, and the crystal coffin bounced right off the bier and landed on the side of the road. The prince's horse reared up in alarm, and the prince raced back to his precious passenger. Snowdrop had tumbled into the road, but when the prince reached her side, he was shocked to find her opening her eyes and coughing. The piece of poisoned apple that was stuck in her throat had been jarred loose by her fall, and she awoke to find the handsome prince smiling at her. As they traveled to his kingdom, he explained how he had sought her out, and Snowdrop told him how her stepmother had tried to end her life. The prince asked her to be his bride, and Snowdrop happily agreed. The wedding was planned with great fanfare, and the prince sent invitations far and wide, making sure that a special invitation was delivered to the vain queen. The queen, dressed in all her finery, stood before her enchanted mirror, asking one last time, who was fairest in the land? The mirror replied, When it comes to beauty, yours is rare, but the bride-to-be is twice as fair. The queen was beside herself with rage, but she was determined to go to the wedding and deal with her new rival. How surprised she was at the wedding banquet to see that the bride was Snowdrop. The prince directed his soldiers to arrest the queen. Then he ordered that red-hot iron shoes be bolted onto her feet, and she was made to dance until she fell down dead for her crimes against her stepdaughter. The prince and princess were soon married, and they both lived very happily ever after. The end. I hope you enjoyed Snowdrop. Did that ending surprise you? It sure surprised me the first time I found it. Fairy tale endings can be so brutal for the villains in the stories. With the 1812 version of the Grimm Brothers version of Snowdrop, that ending had me thinking, where the hell did Snowdrop's compassion and kindliness go when her new husband was ordering molten iron clamped onto his new mother-in-law's feet? And was she present while the dying queen was forced to dance in agony until she dropped dead? Let's just hope that Snowdrop knew nothing of the prince's revenge plan. Maybe she was getting her hair styled for the wedding. The 
The Grimm brothers sure didn't say if she was a witness to the torture, so I prefer to think she wasn't. The brothers kept revising the story, um, their version of Snowdrop, all the way up to 1854, but the origins of the Snowdrop story may date back as far as the work of the Roman poet Ovid from around the year 8. His epic poem, The Metamorphosis, influenced a lot of later writers and artists' work, including Chaucer and Shakespeare. In The Metamorphosis, Ovid writes of the legend of Chione, translated as Snow, who was a character of legendary beauty whose looks sparked a lot of rivalries and ultimately resulted in her tragic death. There are several stories written with the same theme as Snowdrop, like the Italian story Bella Venezia. In that story, the beautiful girl is the daughter of an envious innkeeper who locks her up because visitors to her inn tell her the girl is more beautiful than she is. The daughter ends up taking refuge with a group of 12 thieves who vow to protect her. Other stories of this type are Mersina from Greece, Nuri Hadig from Armenia, The Young Slave, an Italian fairy tale written by Giambattista Basile in 1634, Gold Tree and Silver Tree, a Scottish fairy tale, and La Petite Toubelle, a fairy tale from Brittany, now a part of Western France, in which the beautiful girl is protected by dragons who help her find her prince. Snowdrop and the other variants all have elements in common, including a cruel mother or stepmother, jealousy of a superior beauty, poisoning attempts, a group of magical protectors, the appearance of death that precedes a resurrection, and usually a horrifying punishment for the jealous mother figure. There can be a lot of issues with mother-daughter or mother-stepdaughter relationships, and Snowdrop and its relatives seem to represent a frustration that mothers can have with daughters and vice versa. The wicked stepmother is a cliche, but there are a lot of therapists making a living trying to help blended families adjust to their new lives, so there could be something to it. I think one of Snowdrop's most important themes is that creating your own family can be much more important than the family you were born into. It's these intentional families of friends that can both literally and figuratively save your life. A chosen family certainly ensured Snowdrop's happily ever after. Remember, when an old lady tries to kill you two times in a row, don't trust the third old lady that comes to your door. That's all I have for now, but I'll see you again soon in Fable City Radio.